Hello, and welcome to Inside the HR Office, an Employers Resource Association podcast, where every episode, ERA leaders get together with experts around the human resources industry to talk about hot topics in the space. Let's listen in. of Inside the HR Office with your host, Amanda Mosteller, Director of Talent Development at Employers Resource Association. I am really excited to get back into episode two of our three-part series on adaptive leadership behaviors. We're focusing on the six behaviors recognized and researched by an organization now called Corn Ferry, K-O-R-N-F-E-R-R-Y, and what the research has shown us around when to engage in these behaviors and when it's not so helpful. If you remember from our last episode, we did talk about six behaviors, directive, pace setting, visionary, participative, affiliative, and coaching. Today, we are going to dive into those first three. So we're gonna dive into understanding when and when not, to use your directive behavior, your pace setting behavior, and your visionary behavior. If you remember from our last episode, directive leadership is all about immediate compliance. This is not a negotiation. Frankly, I'm not asking your opinion. (laughs) And when you think about what leader is famously known for that behavior, Um, We have a leader that I always immediately come to mind is Steve Jobs. We are then going to dive into pace setting. So a behavior that is focused on short-term strategic goals with high expectations for excellence and an expectation that we will achieve it with a quick celebration and then on to the next. This is a behavior that we do want to engage in from time to time. And when I think about what famous leader might represent this behavior, I always think about Elon Musk. Always has a lot going on. Never a question for him of if he will accomplish it. More of a question of how. Uh, some of them are a little bit longer term than your average pace setting leader. Us living on Mars is probably going to take a minute, but he definitely assumes that he will help us get there. Finally, today... We're gonna focus on visionary leadership and visionary leadership is all about getting inspiration and motivation to your team and excitement and rallying around a vision. And when I think about what leader represents that behavior really well, I think about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So those are the three behaviors we're gonna focus on in this episode. If you missed all six behavior definitions, what their goals are, who a famous leader is that represents those, be sure to go back and listen to our Adaptive Leadership Behaviors Episode 1 because that is where we get into all of that. But today, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn about when to be directive, when to engage in pace setting, and when to be visionary. So uh, let's talk about directive leadership behaviors and when to engage in those. Steve Jobs may have been known for it to a fault. He probably engaged, well, he absolutely (laughs) engaged in it much more often than he needed to. There are other ways to lead folks. He is visionary as well, so you can argue that with me all day. It wouldn't be much of an argument because I would agree with you, but he is a visionary leader also, but he's really kind of known for his harsh 
approach and not really giving people an opportunity to tell him no. It wasn't until later in life when he started to describe these meetings as wonderful, beautiful arguments and swears the best ideas must win, not his ideas only. But in his longevity of his leadership career, definitely kind of acted the other way around. So you might listen to that and say, well, then Amanda, there is no time to be directive because who wants to be known for that? Well, there actually are times when you should engage in directive leadership behavior. And those times are in an emergency. I mentioned in our last episode, one of my favorite ways to describe it to folks is if our building is on fire, I'm not asking your opinion for how we need to get out. But it doesn't, emergencies often look different to different leaders, different teams, and different departments. So when you engage in that directive leadership behavior, I don't just mean life-threatening emergencies. We might have an order that got forgotten and we're delayed on shipping it out and I need to get my team pulled together to get all the pieces so we can fulfill the order and get it shipped. That's an emergency. It might be a call center situation where we have a, um, com- a member who's, or a client or a customer whose support is down, their business can't operate, that's an emergency. And I'm getting everybody onto the call and we're figuring this out, but to get them on the call, to spin the call up, that is not a debate. Now, once we get on the call, I might flex into a different leadership behavior and we can talk about that. But to get everybody up, wake up, get on the call, if you're in IT, you know what I'm talking about and uh, let's fix this and we're not getting off the call until it's fixed, that's your directive leadership behavior. You can also engage in directive leadership behaviors when you have a new team member. Directive does not need to be blunt. It does not need to be aggressive. Remember, the goal of directive is immediate compliance. Well, if I have a brand new team member who doesn't even know the ins and outs of our company, doesn't know specific ways to follow process or procedure that we might outline. They might have experience and the expertise in the industry and the space, but not our specific way of doing things. I'm going to engage in a directive behavior, which means I'm going to be telling them what to do and how to do it. Again, don't associate directive to mean blunt, to mean aggressive, to be a negative thing. It just means I'm looking for immediate compliance. And if I have a brand new team member who doesn't know, then I'm probably going to be pretty directive. I'm going to say, all right, we need to figure this out. Those are really, I mean, directive is kind of for that immediate compliance. So you kind of think of those in terms of all hands on deck emergency and when someone doesn't really know what they're doing. I also see folks flex into directive leadership behavior in safety situations. So the emergency hasn't happened yet because I'm getting directive with you to stop before something happens and we cause an emergency. So if you are in the manufacturing space, if you are in a space that um, there are OSHA requirements that are heavier than a paper cut in the office, you might notice um, you flexing into that directive leadership behavior in that moment. If you're a parent and you remember your child almost stepping in front of a car in the parking lot, you probably engaged in directive leadership behavior to stop the emergency from happening in the first place. So those are times when you do want to engage in directive leadership. 
But there are also times when you do not want to flex in that style, when I would actually tell you flex out of that style. And those are, you know, non-emergency situations. <laughs> um, rote tasks, um, repetitive tasks, a task that a team member has demonstrated, they know what they're doing on it, it is repetitive, and they have mastered it, then you don't need to keep telling them how to do it. Um, they know how to do it. You can leave that alone as well as team members, depending on your industry or space, this word can be scary because I say tenured and education says, we don't use that word, hold on. Um, but uh, team members that have been with you for quite some time or have a high level of expertise in this space and I've learned the company way of doing it, then you don't need to engage in being directive with me. I know how to do it actually might have ideas on how to do it differently and then you can engage in a different kind of leadership behavior but those are times when folks will start to define you as a micromanager um, this is not a behavior you want to engage in because I know what I'm doing and you continuously telling me how to do it makes me feel micromanaged like I don't have the opportunity to do it myself um, so that is absolutely a time when directive is ineffective and will actually turn your team members away the other time uh, is when you have a team that is fully competent in what they're doing and we're strategizing. Uh, strategizing is when you absolutely flex into something different because you want their input, you want their ideas. They know what they're talking about just as much as you do. So let's work together on this. Um, those are times when you don't want to tell everybody what to do. They feel very pigeonholed and they don't feel be that their knowledge and expertise is valued. So those are times when you do not want to engage in directive leadership. But remember, there are two times at least where it is very, even throughout three, when it is very effective. In emergencies, brand new team members that don't know your organization's policies, processes, procedures, and you need to make sure they know those things. And in safety situations where someone might be about to hurt themselves or cause that emergency, you're trying to avoid it before it happens. Let's switch gears now, and we're going to talk about pace-setting leadership. And when is pace-setting leadership the kind of behavior that you want to engage in? And I remember I said Elon Musk is a great example of pace-setting leadership. That behavior you're engaging in in order to set goals with high expectations of accomplishing those goals, celebrating, and moving on to the next. Those are typically shorter-term goals. I'm not engaging in a pace-setting thing that you would accomplish two years from now, you need to set things up before that two years. So that two year thing is a different behavior we'll talk about in a minute. But there are times to engage in that. Those are behaviors that you engage in when you have long term projects, long term outcomes, or something that's very complex. If it's a complex situation, let me break it down into digestible chunks for my team, and we're gonna focus on each of those chunks. Meet that chunk, celebrate it, high five, let's all celebrate for the 24 hour rule, and then we're on to the next chunk. <laughs> let's focus on the next thing. Because then when you look back, you say, man, look at all that we've done, and this huge complex project, or this complex problem, or this multifaceted strategy, we accomplished it because I helped you see it in smaller achievable steps. So I mentioned, you know, the Mars thing from Elon Musk in our last episode. 
I'm not saying we're going to get on Mars next year, but he's probably focusing on, so what do we need to do to get to Mars? For those that want to live there, I'm going to chill right here on Earth, but what do we need to do to get there? And let's focus on this step and then this step and then this step. And then he's moving over to his other company to talk about Tesla. And then he's doing Neuralink because he has a lot of irons in the fire. But any one of those things have to get broken down because they're large, complex concepts. So those are times when you do want to engage in pace setting. When you have these large, complex, long-term things going on uh, that folks need digested. They need to break it down into something. If you are in project management, you probably do this a lot. Right? You probably set these milestones that your team is going to go through. And let's just focus on that milestone and who's responsible for helping us accomplish that milestone. And then we're all going to party and celebrate and high five with an ice cream social. <laughs> that was suggested in a class I was in yesterday. And then move on to the next milestone. So these are you know, job roles that tend to engage in this more often, as well as concepts, that strategic initiative, the five-year plan. Let's break it down into smaller digestible chunks. That's when you do want to engage in pace setting. You do not want to engage in pace setting, uh, much like in directive when it is repetitive tasks. I don't need you to set up the monthly goal of the thing that I do all the time every month. It doesn't change month to month. It's not very exciting. It's not moving the needle towards anything. And I'm not quite sure why you're doing this. <laughs> so that is when you don't want to engage in pace setting. You also don't want to engage in pace setting leadership when you have high performers because you're going to flex into a different behavior we're going to talk about. But, and I forgot to mention this, this is actually a really effective time, speaking of individual employee performance, when you do want to engage in pace setting. And that is when you actually have someone struggling to perform. Because if I'm really having trouble getting my team member to get to close a performance gap that they're demonstrating, much like with large complex projects, if I'm having this, this huge performance issue, this is where I need to take the from where you are now to uh, perfect in terms of I'll leave you alone about this performance gap. It may be too long and too much work for that individual to wrap their head around and it's demotivating for them. And if they're demotivated and unengaged, they're not going to do it. So you want to instead set smaller milestones, approximations of success. So this is where you have someone maybe on a 60-day goal or a 30-day goal, and it's building towards what acceptable performance looks like. But if they're that far off, but they're willing and you do think they're able, which is the only two factors you need to develop somebody, they are willing and able, then set those smaller, more digestible goals for them and then they can meet the goal. And that starts to build confidence. And if I am building confidence and self-esteem in my team member, they'll start meeting the next goal faster and the next goal faster, and then there you go, they're there. So pace setting leadership from a performance perspective is a great leadership behavior to flex into when you have somebody really struggling at meeting your performance standards, but they want to improve and you have faith that they can get there. They have demonstrated competence you know you can get them there. It just has to look like this. Okay, so we have talked about two. We talked about directive and we talked about pace setting. And I wanna round this episode out talking about visionary leadership. So 
Visionary leadership is all about inspiration. Visionary leadership, excuse me, is about motivation. And when I think about that leader that represents this behavior extremely successfully, I think about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He had a dream, a dream that we still teach about today, we still talk about today, and still inspires people today. Good job. (laughs) So when do we engage in this and when don't we? Because there are times where we do not need to be visionary. You engage in this behavior during times of change. My team is changing, our company structure is changing, our strategy is changing, the times are changing. I bet a lot of us are needing to flex into this behavior right now in life. This is when you flex into being visionary because I'm trying to get my team rallied around the change inspired by the positive impacts and outcome this change is going to have on their job, our organization, and things like that. Uh, If you're adding something to what your organization does, then you're going to use visionary leadership to inspire and excite people. The other time that you want to engage in visionary leadership behaviors on an individual or smaller team basis is when you're noticing morale dips and when you're noticing disengagement. If I have a team member that I'm noticing their performance is kind of dropping, it's atypical of them to be quiet in a meeting if they're normally engaged in talking or vice versa. They're normally very, very quiet, but now they're talking, but it's not, you know, excited stuff. It's more negative. Um, Then I'm going to engage individually with them and I'm going to pull my leadership of uh, my leadership behavior of being visionary out because I'm trying to get them re-inspired and re-excited and re-motivated about what's going on. I'm also going to find out that gap, but my focus is going to be, let me get them reconnected to what we're doing here. There's a lot of research to show, especially your younger millennial and Gen Z uh, team members, that they are looking for a purpose connect me to something. And so it's your job as a leader to help connect them to where their role and your team plays a part in the larger mission and vision of the company. And that is engaging in visionary leadership behaviors. You do not need to engage in being visionary when there isn't change happening. When this has been um, our status and the way we do things is been the way for a while. You don't need to re-inspire me. I know. (laughs) Well aware of what we're doing and why we're doing it. You're just kind of grandstanding at this point. And you have engaged, motivated employees. If my team members are motivated and excited, I don't need to keep trying to re-motivate them and re-excite them. I just need to celebrate and reinforce their motivation. Um, I don't need to be inspiring and visionary when there's no change and they're good to go. (laughs) So I always encourage, I love being visionary too. I get really excited about stuff. I love to talk about where we could go, the future. Um, But I do recognize my team doesn't need that every day. (laughs) They don't need me to engage in that behavior all the time. But I also notice when we're starting to feel uh, burned out and things are starting to be a struggle and we're just pushing for the end of the year so we can get a break. And I'm like, oh, I better flex into my visionary behavior to re-energize them to finish out the year. Let's get excited. Let's keep pushing. Let's finish this out strong. And so that's when I do engage in that visionary behavior. 
Okay. So for this episode, we talked about how and when and when not to be directive, how and when and when not to engage in pace setting, and how and when and when not to be visionary. So if you want to learn more about any of these topics, head over to our YouTube channel at HRX, the letter X, P-E-R-T-S, that's HR Experts. On YouTube, we have a micro-learning series about this stuff. If you want to learn even more in-depth and figure out which of these behaviors are you strong in and which are areas you might need to develop, head over to our website at www.erahr.org and sign up for the Adaptive Leadership Behaviors class. We offer it both it, excuse me, we offer it both in person and virtually. Um, but I will join you again in the next episode, the final episode of our series, where we will be talking about participative, affiliative, and coaching behaviors. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Inside the HR Office podcast. See you next time.